Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. Apocalypse baby, she's a quietest baby. There might be something wrong, but it's the apocalypse and you don't care. If it was modern times, you'd be really worried about the apocalypse baby, because she's the quietest baby. <laughs> oh, hi folks, I'm Tim. <laughs> I'm Dustin. This is Apocalypse Now, and I'm being gnawed on by an adorable little dog. Yes, Maisie is back on the couch with us tonight. Um, we need to worry, I think, not worry, but I need to get her to stop with the gnawing. Well, I, yes. I mean, uh, she's, she's not a biter. She, you know, uh, my puppy, cat, puppy bites. Yeah, puppy my, my cat meals. Hamish gnaws um, on me a little, but he doesn't bite either. He just sort of puts his mouth on you and just kind of like, ah, there. Yeah, just and like that. Maisie's doing the same thing. But um, eventually she will be a... Uh, a stronger and dog. And she gives you little kisses. <laughs> and then she gives you kisses, yes. So, uh, Maisie, the, Maisie the, the zombie dog. Uh, we will have another picture of Maisie uh, up. Uh, those of you who really seem to enjoy the picture that we posted on the Facebook <laughs> page of Maisie, we'll have another pay, uh, uh, photo yeah. of Maisie up. Because, she, again, she's much prettier than, than either Dustin or I. Um, and... Um, we watched The Walking Dead tonight. Yeah, we did. Because I'll... that's what we do. Yeah. Well, and also, uh, Santa Clarita Diet is coming back for season I two. I know! I'm so excited! Yeah, it's going to be fun. But tonight we got to watch Rick try and ruin everything, try and burn everything to the ground. And uh, so this episode had a couple of really, really neat sequences in it. Some, one very, very quiet, mm -hmm. one very, very not. Um, the problem is, is that it kind of highlights an issue this show has with storytelling, period. Mm -hmm. Which is characters are not allowed to process things mm -hmm. because if you have an episode where someone just processes something the, it, to be bad TV right and or it could be really really good TV but it's harder to uh -huh. do that and, and so is, we have to you know take into account we're in the middle of a war right there's so, a war on see <laughs> but it becomes really one of those things where you literally can be watching a scene like we did tonight and once you get to a certain point as long as you forget everything that led up to that point, the rest of the scene is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, there was a scene that came before it, and another scene that came before it, and another scene that came before it. And eight years of scenes <laughs> that came before <laughs> I that. Knew it. So you're like, um... Apocalypse baby. Yeah. And of course, we got the apocalypse baby, because we had two apocalypse babies. Yes. The quietest creatures known to man. <laughs> um, Be aware. Beware the apocalypse babies. <laughs> if, you, if you come across one in the woods, back away slowly. But don't run, you'll attract their attention. And by the way, they watch you when you sleep. Because mm. so. apocalypse baby ain't no sleep. She's never had milk from the breast of a human. So... <laughs> Oh, she knows his pain oh, and Similac. <laughs> pain and Similac. See, there's there's our new slogan for the show. Pain and Similac and Gaius Machina. <laughs> oh, so... Okay, so short version. Um, things happen. Yes. Um, oh, Rick, Rick gets back to the hilltop. Right. Get, delivers all the Carl letters. Mm -hmm. um, and then decides he wants to go out... 
on, um, like, because they've got sentries set up every quarter of a mile or something like that. Because they know, they know the saviors are coming for them. Right. And so he decides he wants to go and join them. He wants to go out and patrol, but first, before he does that, he has a conversation with Daryl, which is both long overdue and completely odd. Right. Because Daryl comes up and he's like, so, um, about the thing I did? Yeah, uh, where I went and let basically let the saviors out. And... Who let the saviors out? Daryl. <laughs> hoot, hoot, hoot. Oh, God. Um, but it, it's a... It, on one hand, I appreciate the fact that it wasn't a big blow-up, con you know, confrontation scene. Uh-huh. And... And considering what Rick is dealing with and what Carl asked him to do to help build a better world, Rick's reaction to Daryl almost feels in that vein. He's mm -hmm. got the, you know what, I know you were just trying to help. You were well, trying to do a thing. You, 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 I understand where your head was. Well, yeah, but the problem is, is that it's not what Carl wanted. Daryl comes up and says... Almost word for word, I didn't care about the innocent people that I was going to hurt. I just wanted this to be over. And instead of heeding Carl's words and saying, "I understand where your head is at, but that's not how we ha we can we can't we can't be those people," Rick's like, "Oh no, you're right. We don't care. We don't need to care about those people anymore. We just need to end this." Right. And that's the lesson. <laughs> The lesson has not met the student in any right. way, shape, or form. Good part about this scene is the fact that a it's not a a these guys aren't fighting each other or anything mm -hmm. stupid, but also there's that you know that exchange where you have two men who are not very good expressing emotions terribly well or being you know vulnerable, right? Um, and it's like, are you okay? I'm okay. Or I will be okay. And he keeps say, he says I'm okay a few times, and then he says I will be okay. And that actually was a good scene. I mean mm -hmm. that 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 was we we've seen before that Daryl and Rick have a sort of brother like relationship, and mm -hmm. that scene felt like it. Like in that moment, that felt like it. Meanwhile, over at the Saviors, right? <laughs> Dwight's a little paranoid, yeah, for good reason, because one of his crew that he had to kill escaped the killing, and so now he's got to figure out. He's basically on borrowed time until she shows up. Right, because he doesn't know if she's alive or dead. Right. But he can't count on the fact that she got killed. Right. And she might show up at any moment to rain on his parade. Because Negan's basically welcome to bat, not necessarily with open arms, because Negan doesn't do the open arm thing. He knocks on your door, gives you a beer, then stands six inches away from your face and says, It's good to have you back. Right. We've missed you. Hope you're ready to do the things. Are you ready to do the... And Dwight's like, please leave me alone. Oh, I want to do things. Can, we just, can I just have five minutes with my band? Oh, so anyway, um, the thing is, we're going to go to the hilltop and we're going to use contaminated zombie gourd weapons to poke and prod at people and, and let them turn into zombies and... And maybe they'll get the message that we're not messing around, even though they've not gotten the message so far. Well, this is essentially we. There's a couple of recurring the thing that didn't I didn't realize it was a recurring thing until the end of the episode. 
but this is a very medieval plague warfare mm -hmm. mindset, and this is something that this is actually a type of warfare. You literally do throw contaminated food or or the corpses of bodies over, um, and you poison the wells. Of, you've got a, a town under siege. I mean, this is a very medieval, you know, almost classical quote unquote mm -hmm. kind of warfare. It's it's terrible, but it's it's. And later in the episode, we come back to a kind of a medieval, right. uh, a different side of things, uh, a more constructive side. Dwight wants to go, and he gets on his bike, and he's ready to go over, and... Simon. Simon. Simon's like, where are you going? And he's like, ride with me, and... and, and Simon's Dwight. like, I don't want to. I don't want to. And Simon and says, Simon's like, well, that's got a super good reason not to, that you should do it. And Negan says, do it. And it's like, damn it. So he gets in the truck, and they're driving along, and... <clears throat> Simon starts his pitch on why he should take over the Saviors. It's really obvious that that's what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's basically like, did you think things were going to be this way? And I can't believe that things are the way they are, and blah, 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 blah. Finally... Simon sees a car headed straight for Negan's car, but he doesn't say anything. Mm -hmm. And it happens to be Rick's car, because Rick went and found himself a nice place to watch for the saviors to come. And he, somehow, is the first one to see them. Um, because the writers wrote it that way. And so he, instead of letting the other sentries know they're coming, decides to go take Negan out. Now, instead of just doing this immediately, we actually do get a scene where he wars with himself for, for a like, good second. A good second. And, but yeah, he tears after him and zips along, and, and Negan's, the, the saviors, are going through, apparently, a town. And You know, one of those, one of those freestanding industrial parks yeah. that you find, you, you're wandering through the woods, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's a series of, of containers. Well, they're also driving down this narrow, um, but it's essentially it's a back alley. Right. So I don't know where they are that only is a town full of back alleys because I've never actually been to one of those places. So yeah, so Rick takes out Negan's car and they go on a little chase and... From the point where Rick hits Negan's car and everything with Rick and Negan to the end of the episode is a really great car scene, action scene, mm -hmm. and a fight scene, and a debate between who they are and what their, you know, the, their both personal worldviews, and it's really, really cool. Unfortunately, it's all the stuff that came before it that mm -hmm. it's like, damn it, Rick! Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why are you doing this? And yet, at the same time, Rick literally just did have his son die. Right. And he's furious. And he blames Negan. So you get it, but at the same time, it's just awkward as hell. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's once you get past that, the sequence is actually pretty cool. But it's, it's very jarring, especially when you consider that Rick is doing the same thing that Rick always does. Right. And the, the exact thing that Carl specifically asked him not to do. Right. And on one hand, again, you can completely understand the emotion, but what this show doesn't do and what it needs to do every now and again is give a character a minute. Right. Just to deal in process. And if we still ended up at the same place with Rick, at least we could get a, I can't let go of this. Right. I hate him too much. I have to kill him. I, you know, something. Um, instead, you know, there's a, hole, there's a hole in our story here that 
you would just, you just have to look past because right. the story's going to take you past it. So so Rick runs Negan off the road, and they they escape into this warehouse. So he, he Rick's car ends up smashed into a pole. Negan's car ends up flipped. We don't see either of these things no. happen. Um, and we get to see the aftermath, and the first of many, many things that are wrong with what happens to a human body occurs in this scene, because the way Negan's car is just completely totaled, he should be broken. Right. He's but not broken. Negan's got, Negan's got the weirdest physical luck. Like, he is constantly, like, that dude should have been dead six or seven times in the amount of times we've seen him on this show. Oh, yeah. But he just doesn't seem to die. He does, he's like <laughs> the Energizer bunny. He, nothing phases him. He just walks his way through scenes, strolling around, talking ways people humanly don't talk, and then, and then, and then hitting stuff with a baseball bat. He's it's crazy making. <laughs> this is very true, but this episode encapsulates it all because in the course of this scene, he will be he will come out of a car accident, a serious car accident, right? And he will um, fall at least two flights of stairs, right? And nothing happens to him. He like fall it, he doesn't he doesn't yeah. limp. He doesn't go, ow. <laughs> yeah, he falls through a floor. Or he, like, he runs into this warehouse. He runs upstairs. And Rick is shooting at him, right? I mean, Rick is tearing through the ammo. Yeah. They, and he, you know, he's they, missing, but he's close. They both run out of ammo. And uh, Negan's got zombie guts Lucille. And, uh, <laughs> he gets and, to the top of the stairs. He's like, you're out of ammo. Yeah. <laughs> and Rick takes out his axe. And he's like, come on up. And so... Rick throws the axe at him. And in diving out of the way, Negan falls off the balcony. He takes out the railing and basically ends up dangling by his fingers. And Rick's like, huh. And he just strolls up the stairs and takes the axe and looks down at Negan. He's like, so. <laughs> and then Negan lets go and falls through the floor into the basement, which if you would glances up like the first when they walk when they run up to this building it says spray painted on the thing do not enter mm -hmm. and then when you walk inside there's this long letter that like somebody spray painted on the wall don't go in the basement and you can't really read it all but you get the gist don't go in the basement because there's zombies in the basement. and generally speaking when you see don't go in the basement it's always a good idea right. so Negan's in the basement and he can't find Lucille and so Rick comes the easy way down to the basement, I guess. He finds the stairs somehow. And, uh, and Negan can't find Lucille, and they're having this conversation that's all like, you know, you can't, why couldn't you have just let me save you, and you're not saving us the way you should, you know, you're not doing a good job of being a savior, and, and your son is dead because of you. Well, yeah, well, your whole, where's all your men who were with you? They should have been here by now, don't you think, to get you, and... It's interesting because, again, it is an example of if the if the situation had been flipped and we've been following Negan, uh -huh. Negan makes his Negan makes his case is why how Rick is the bad guy, right? And Rick turns around and makes the same case that what Negan is Negan's idea of saving people is just completely warped and yeah. wrong. 
And oh, and then he throws out there the, you know, how, and oh, Megan makes a very like interesting offer. Like I will allow you, we'll give you back Alexandria and the hilltop and the kingdom. We can end this right now. We'll only take twenty five percent of your food from now on. That's a really great deal. You just have to come to work for me. You'll start as a janitor. Yeah. Work your way up. But you know everything will will there will be peace and everything will be okay and and it's the you know it's Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzaa all rolled into one. Who you you cannot beat this deal. And and Rick's like, uh, how can I take this deal knowing what you did to the scavengers? <laughs> and it's like a record, you know that that record skip. That, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and Negan's like, what? And Rick's like, you killed them all. They're all dead. And the look on Negan's face, and this whole scene is is in the dark. They're in the basement. There's very little light, right. but there's enough to see expressions. And ne the look on Negan's face, and this is why Negan, at the right moments, is a very interesting character mm -hmm. because he honestly believes he's the good guy. He's wrong, but he, yeah, he's he honestly thinks that he's helping, and the idea of all these people being killed. Hits him, mm -hmm. and he the you can see that, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan does a fairly fantastic job in that. And also the look on his face when he realizes that Simon lied to him, yeah. <laughs> and, and Simon murdered all these people. Right. And so you've got Negan's reaction, that little that little bit of humanity you see that you got you got with him and Carl, mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes yeah, and. <laughs> But uh, this moment quickly passes because Rick somehow finds Lucille. And by the way, no. This is impossible, by the way. Uh, because, again, uh, staircase falls through, lands on the ground. Lucille fell through the same hole. Lucille is a baseball bat, not a rubber ball. Mm -hmm. Lucille hit the ground, bounced a couple of times, and stayed within the same five, ten right. feet as Negan did. He couldn't find her. Rick is in another goddamn room. <laughs> there is no way. But anyway, he finds Lucille and he's like, it's like, oh, and I got your little bat, bitch. <laughs> and Rick and Negan is like, don't hurt her. And somehow Rick finds the most opportune can of lighter fluid. Like, like it is it is sitting there on a little stool that says Hearts and smooshy kisses love the prop department. In case of Negan, break glass. Yeah. You know, there's a little light from the heavens and the oh, because he then sets Lucille on fire. Right. And so you got this flaming, gore-covered bat, which I'm sure smells great. Right. I was Negan flaming, gore-covered, barbed wire-wrapped oh. baseball bat. There was a scene early on where Negan is driving over to. They're driving to the hilltop. And Negan has got in the passenger seat, and Lucille is resting in it, a tub of gore and guts. Mm -hmm. And all I could think was, you know what? That's post-apocalyptic world stinks. Yes, it is. The, Nobody, it everybody smells like a everybody had to go nose blind oh, real God. fast. Like you couldn't stand in the same room with Daryl. No. Oh God, no, no. So <laughs> not enough patchouli in the world. Uh, <laughs> but, but this whole scene—I mean, this whole scene is actually—I mean, the taunting and the and the, the the clashing of viewpoints and the pain 
that is driving Rick. This whole scene is really, really good. Uh-huh. And then it gets better because Rick has now walked past this door a couple of times. And the door says, it's got, it's boarded up and it's got the word eaters on it. And he's like, huh. And when he's got the bat on fire, he comes back to the door and he's like, it's like, and Negan's like, you're, you're crazy. You're going to get us both killed. And, and Rick's like, only you, know, you first. first. And he knocks down the, and starts taking out the, take, taking out the boards. And so then Negan tackles him, and, they and so they both go through the door, and they're now in a room full of zombies with the flaming baseball bat, and they're fighting each other, and they're fighting the zombies, and they each, in turn, get Lucille. Mm-hmm. And every time they hit a walker with Lucille, it bursts into flames. Because they're dried out corpses. Right. I mean, they're still moving around, but... They're flammable. And it's really cool. It's like this really great, awesome scene of them fighting each other and fighting fighting the walkers, and the walkers are all on fire, and and it's just like really, really cool until <laughs> somehow Negan bursts through a window in the Basement? It's really confusing what happens here. Um, and we could go back and watch it again, but we're not going to. We don't want to. Be, but basically, yeah, uh, they both get out of the basement somehow. They get separated. They And Rick um, Rick goes back to the hilltop, we assume, mm-hmm. because they won't, so we don't see him do it. We do see Negan come to later. Mm-hmm. In... Uh, Jadis's car. <laughs> and he wakes up, and I kept, you know, you expect to look over and see Rick. Right. And he looks over, and there's Jadis, and he's like, Hi. And she's like, Shut up. And he hits him with the face with a gun. And I was like, Hooray! I'm very excited about this. I, this is the first time I've ever been excited to see Jadis. Every time, other time she's shown up, it's like, Oh, God. The problem is, is that you know what the scene is going to be? It's going to be. Him saying, I didn't have anything to do with this. She's going to say, I don't believe you. And he's going to say, I didn't have anything to do with this. She's going to say, I don't believe you. And there's not, how are they going to convince each other otherwise? Right. Um, so anyway, um, poor Dwight. Poor Dwight's now stuck with Simon. Uh, which, which is hell, by the way. And for those of you who have ever wondered. He's giving Dwight the, the condo <laughs> pitch, the, the timeshare pitch. <laughs> Of, hey, shouldn't I be the leader? He's basically turned the truck to block in the, the front end of, of where the saviors are going. And they gather the troops together and says, you guys stay here. We're going to go look for Negan. Right. We don't want to, this could be a trap. We don't want to, you know, spread our resources too thin. We're going to all wait here. Then we're going to find find out what happened to Negan. And then we'll come back and we'll continue our mission. Uh, he also tells the guy at the back to move his truck to block them in there too. Which... Honestly, in the way this show goes, this should have been a scene for someone to come over the roof and just mow them all down. It doesn't happen for reasons that don't make any sense because it's a dumb, dumb plan. But yeah, so they're on. They're walking towards the, where the cars were, and yeah, he's giving him the spiel. And <laughs> Dwight's look at him like, "Really, really, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna do this? <sighs> yeah. This is, this is the." God. I'm not interested in the four pieces of matching Samsonite luggage, Simon. <laughs> I do not want to sell Amway. Yeah. Do not, you know, it's... So then they get to the car, and there's just gore. Because the car, the bucket, there's a bucket of gore in there. There's this bucket of gore splashed all over the place. There's blood everywhere. And Simon is like, look, we can uh, 
go look for him and maybe find him in some state of alive. Or we can just go back and be done with him, done with Negan. We could move on. We could, you know, we, we know that going up against Rick and, and, and the Widow and the Kingdom is just, you know, it's not working. We have, no. to, we have to move on. And Dwight's like, yes, this is true. And Dwight's reading it as we walk away. Right. We just leave it to we leave it alone. And so he takes reaches into his cigarette pack, the one that's got the wedding rings, mm. and then half a cigarette. Lights a cigarette, takes a few puffs, and throws it into the pool of gasoline underneath the car. Right. And the car goes up. They go back, and Simon's like, "Okay, well, we couldn't find him. He might be alive. He might be dead. Doesn't matter. We have a plan." We're going to stick to the plan with one modification. <laughs> we're not just going to scare them. We're going to kill them all. Because I've gone crazy. And just, I don't want to, you know, it's... I'm done with it. And he does, he does the thing that you do in a situation like this, is you use the death, quote-unquote, or, or possible death of your leader as a rallying cry to defeat the enemy! And kill them all! Right. And Dwight's standing there going, God damn it. No, damn it. <laughs> this is not what I wanted to do today. And it can... don't need all this luggage. Well, and, and Dwight's goal was to kill Negan. Right. And Dwight's goal was to stop the saviors and stop what they are. Mm -hmm. Because that he's lost everything because of them. And everything that he cares about is gone. And he wants it just to be over. But this is not the way. This mm -hmm. is not what the plan is. And you could see it on his face, that look that basically says, I should have thought of this. Yeah. I should have realized this is what he was talking about. Right. I, I know this man. I know these people. I should have... Uh, damn. I'm just, you know, right. And... That's kind of where that ends. Yeah. Meanwhile, up at the hilltop, um, Maggie has spotted a four four milk crates mm -hmm. and a, a white flag mm -hmm. sitting in the middle of the field. And so they send some people out to get it, and basically what it says is, give us, fill up these crates with, with records... And food, and we will give you the key to the future. And everyone looks at each other and goes, Huh? This is obviously a trap. And uh, so they, Michonne and Maggie and Enid, for some reason... Well, Michonne goes out and gets it, and they, and they bring it back, and they have this discussion. And Michonne's, Michonne has, has invested in the idea of what Carl was talking right. about. Michonne wants a future. Michonne wants the world after. Right. She does, you know, whatever happens now, the world after needs to be a better world. Mm -hmm. The world that Carl wants, the world that, that she wants, the world that every one of these people really, really wants, they just don't, they can't let themselves think about it right now. And they put Rick in charge and he can't get there. And, and... That's the biggest problem. That's where we, that's our sticking point. They put Rick in charge and Rick can't get there. Well, and I think it's unrealistic to ask Rick to get there right now. 
If Rick was a real human being, expecting him to get there the day, two days, how many days after Carl is dead, mm -hmm. and and the man who Rick blames for Carl's death is still out there, mm -hmm. threatening them. True. I just, I you know, again. But I think I, I my argument to that would be, we have had plenty of examples to prove. That things work way better when Rick is not the actual person in charge. I am not going to disagree with you. That maybe but Rick's not the person who can get us there, just in general. I think, well, Rick, Rick, is, a, a, Rick is essentially a general. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason we, we try to avoid having generals run things. Because there's a, mind, a military mindset, there's a soldier mentality... That's not a bad thing to have, but it, you're, it's not necessarily what you want a civilian government to right. run by. The people who should be in charge, M Maggie and Michonne and Rosita, well, <laughs> and I, I, Enid for some reason. I think Maggie has demonstrated that she can see a big picture. Yeah. She can be just as human and, and flawed and vindictive, mm -hmm. uh, understandably in the case of the Saviors. As, as Rick can, but she also tends to get past that and think around it sometimes. Right. But Rick doesn't necessarily see that. And Rick is a cop, so there's a different mindset there, too. Even after all of this, he was trained as a cop for how long? They're doing a montage of crazy Ricks right now on Fear the Walking, or on Talking Dead. Well, he's... He's, he's been through them. He has. The idea that, that Michonne is, is trying to go with here is the idea of this future. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, we need to do this. We need to figure out what it is. And, okay, let's go. Let's go investigate. Now, right. I don't... Having Maggie go out with them, on one hand, yes, Maggie is the leader. But it's like the whole Star Trek problem where the captain goes down to the planet. Mm -hmm. It's like, why, why, why are you doing this? Keep Maggie inside the hilltop. What's wrong with you people? So, but she goes out there and they find this, this van and a very curious group of people. Yeah, basically uh, a woman who looks very much like Hillary Rodham Clinton. Named Georgie. Named Georgie. And her two escorts, uh, these other ladies with weird names, M Matchy and Podunkle or something. They're just, it's... Okay, so this this bit is so odd because it's half comedy routine and half really kind of bizarre tense negotiation scene. Because mm -hmm. basically, they're like, she's like, "Hi, I'm Georgie, and this is Tweedledum and Tweedledee, <laughs> and Barbecue <Jane> Carbuncle, <laughs> and we have this key to the future, and we'd like to make a deal." And Maggie's like, "No, I don't mm. think so." I don't think so. And uh, Rosita and Enid, you know, go through, Rosita comes out of the woods with the gun and basically like, hi there. And they go through and the... And Georgie's nun phase it off. She's like, oh, how smart of you. This was a good plan you had. <laughs> and like looks in and she's got food in this, they've got food in this van and they've been driving around. And, and Maggie asks her, how many settlements have you seen? And she's like, oh, some, but not nearly as many, not nearly as many are set up as good as you are set up. And not enough. Not right. enough settlements out there. She said that basically the bad guys are, the bad guys survived, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and the good guys survived, and then there are more bad guys than good guys. And it's good to see that you're doing this thing. And 
and we'd like to make a deal. And Maggie's like, no, <laughs> you're coming back to the, yeah. to the hilltop with us. And Georgie's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out that, oh, sorry, I, I cannot get around the comedy routine here because she says, you know, I understand that, you know, trust, trust is a hard thing. It kind of feels like a made-up word. And Tweedledum sits there and goes, like, and Tweedledee's over here going, yeah, like moisture. And everyone just stops and looks at her. And we're like, okay, that's funny. But where the hell did that come from? Technically, she's right. All words are made up words. This is true. We are, we are speaking right now a language that was made up by someone... Several someones over hundreds of years. Yes. And stole a lot from a lot of other languages. This is true. However, <laughs> made up word like moisture. <laughs> that was, was really funny. funny. So, so, so they go back to the hilltop. And Maggie's like, uh, we're going to keep them here. They've got a lot of food. They have mm -hmm. a lot of food in that van. And there's three of them. And I have a whole town of people to feed. Michonne's like, we should let them go. We should make this deal and let them go. Right. And Enid is like, no! <laughs> I'm here to destroy. I'm, I would like to. My The guy that I liked is dead. And so now I would like to burn the world to the ground. Where is his father? I know he will help me. And Michonne's like, um, listen, kid. <laughs> I get it, but no. <laughs> this is a really good, really good part. She just kind of like, because Enid comes in with her gun in her hand. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're, we need to take their stuff, and we need to send them away. And we need, and she reaches out, Michonne just reaches out and grabs, takes her gun, doesn't even force it, just takes it out of her hand. And says, no, we're going to do it the way that they want it done, because we have got to work towards the after mm -hmm. of this. Now step back. Yeah. And if <laughs> there's no menace in her voice, but Enid gets the message, takes a step back. There's no menace, but you know what would have happened right. if I mean yeah, no it's it's a very it's again, it's a really really some of the some of the really really good character moments in this in this right. episode. So they go out and and Maggie brings out the records in one crate and she's like we're going to get the other stuff together and and Georgie's like, "You know what? No. We're going to fill crates with food from our stores and we're going to give you the key to the future and then we're going to come back later. It might be a while and Maggie's like, what just happened? And she says, look, you're doing good things here. Mm -hmm. You have got a chance. We should nurture that. We should make that better. Mm -hmm. We should give you the opportunity to build a better world. Right. And here is the key to the future. And she pulls out this bundle, this, this manuscript, and your first reaction was... My first thought, like, she pulls out this book, and for a second, I was like, it's going to be like Dianetics, or a Joel Osteen book, or something like that. Because that would be, that is a, that would be just the greatest payoff for this bizarre because it's so weird it's like a but i'm i would i want everything to have some sort of weird comedy bent to it well but that's because the setup is almost like a uh a huckster right you know it's it's a snake oil salesman she's in the suit she's got the wagon you know it's the van and she's got the assistants it, it's got that whole vibe 
And so it's completely understandable. But what it is, is this manuscript, which is how to basically do aqueducts and windmills mm -hmm. and, you know, medieval-level engineering, the kind of stuff you don't need a machine shop for. Right. But there's other stuff in there that does involve machining. And so it's a stuff that you can build on. And it's a manuscript. It's like two inches thick. Right. So there's a lot of information there. And, and she says, it's all in my head. Right. But I wrote it down. And I made copies. I've Here. had to make some other stuff. I've had to, I've had to, she says, it's been a long time since the copy shop. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that was kind of funny. And she's like, you know, help build a better world. Mm -hmm. And I looked at this, I looked over at you, and I went, did we just get Gaius Machina here? <laughs> because it's basically, because it's, it's, you know, the Tweedledum and Tweedledee are like stereotypical militant lesbians. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, right. militant lesbians. Georgie ran, Georgie ran a feminist bookstore. Yeah. And and these were to her two best customers. <laughs> and when the zombie apocalypse happened, she was like, "Come with me. I know how to build an aqueduct." <laughs> and yeah, it. But it's yeah. So Gaius Machina. I've looked it up on Google. I can't seem to find it. I may have just created a thing. <laughs> so in the midst of all of this, in the midst of of all this violence and 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 revenge and hate and kill your enemy, you have this hope spot. Mm -hmm. That is so out of place in this show. That we both wanted to ruin it. It's so odd. It, I don't object to it. I like the idea, actually. Mm -hmm. It actually, the idea makes me feel kind of good. Because this right. is something that we have railed against this show for eight years. Right. That this show, every time there's a chance of hope, every time there's a chance of a positive future, the Walking Dead will swoop in and kill right. it with fire. So I kept it, you know, because the you know the saviors are on their way to the hilltop with zombie poisoned weaponry to just nick people. Mm -hmm. And I did. I really had this weird. Also, this also had that feeling that it's like they're gonna be pulling out and are like. And here's the secret. Here's the key to the future. And then an arrow was going to come over the wall and hit Georgie right square in the brain pan. Because that is what I've come to expect yes. from this show. That is exactly what you expect from this show. Speaking of which, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the episode, but speaking mm -hmm. of things you expect from this show, we're seeing trailers for Fear the Walking mm -hmm. Dead, which looks like it's synced up because Morgan is with them now. Yeah. And he's got the stick, and he's spinning it real good. And it looks like it could just be... And in the trailer, he says, I used to be a killer. All I could see was red. And Madison continues her, I will come into your place and break it. <laughs> I'm here to take it. I'm here to take it. Uh, but yeah, no, it's... Um, I. We are curiously looking forward to Fear the Walking Dead coming back, even yeah. though that is a show that we hate watch more than The Walking Dead. That show, yeah. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Um, we did uh, also, we haven't talked about this for the last couple of weeks. We did see a Red Machete episode. Oh, right. And there's a reason we haven't actually talked about the Red Machete for the last couple of weeks, and that's because it's terrible. And I don't understand why this is a thing. Right. Okay, for there was a film a million years ago called The Red Violin. Oh, there was. 
And the premise of that film was that this violin moved through the hands of different people and it told their stories. And it was a very lyrical, beautiful film. The Red Machete is the same thing, only with a machete and stupid. Right, and here's the the problem is is that it's it's the I thought it was going to be the how the red machete got into Rick's possession to eventually kill Gareth of the Five Young Cannibals, mm -hmm. and I don't has that happened? Did that happen? I, I don't even know because the guy he got it from the the claimer mm -hmm. he got it from has been. He got it, that guy got it, and now this last episode just sat in a field. Right, we actually got our first real filler episode for the... Most of the... No, they're all filler episodes. This is the one that's blatantly a filler episode, because it just sits stuck in the ground mm -hmm. while things happen behind behind it. And I actually... That's, that's actually a, uh, a, a thematic film style that I like. I like stuff happening in the background mm -hmm. while something is just sitting in the foreground. Uh, where it's kind of like, you know, oh, look, look at that. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. You know, that's that could be a lot of fun. It's really great in comedy. But it's it's such an odd, pointless thing. The problem is, is that if you were to put all of these episodes back to back and watch them back to back, it wouldn't be any better. Right. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I don't know why they're doing this thing. Somebody thought it was a good idea. Um well, I have a... I can't believe I have a prediction. No, no. You know, the claimer got it from the weird girl. Right, yeah. And she didn't die. No, no, the the, the family, it started off with the family, mm -hmm. the dad and the two daughters. And then right, the one yeah. daughter died, and then the dad died, and then the girl had it by herself. And then the guy came in, uh, the really unobservant guy came in and stole it from her, but didn't kill her. Right, yeah. She hid. And then he got eaten by walkers, and then wandered around in walkers for a little while, and then the claimer got it. And I think that the claimer is dead. I think we've skipped over that part where the claimer got killed, and then the finding cannibals thing happened, and now the red machete is just kind of like sitting off in a field somewhere. I, I, I'm, I'm making the prediction now, and if you'll remember, I used to do predictions mm -hmm. back, back a long time ago. My prediction is. The next person to pick up the red machete will be the girl again. And then that will be the end. Or or we will get to the 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 last person. The my my prediction is the last person to pick up the red machete again will be the girl. And then that will be the end of Red Machete. We might have one one or two more episodes where other people or creatures have it. But I have a feeling that it's going to end up back in her hands. You know, I care so little about the red machete that I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah, it might, and if it doesn't happen, I just will, you know. But uh, about half of your predictions were. Here's were the wrong problem that I have: is that I I uh, I studied film in college. Mm -hmm. I went to film school. I studied story structure, mm -hmm. it, you, and it works. I know how these things are supposed to go, but The Walking Dead likes to be like, no, story structure. What? Well, so. and it's one thing to experiment with story structure. And you're, you, at, at a TV series, you have the opportunity to do that sort yeah. of thing. Still, even so, and however. Right. Anyway, so that was this week's episode of The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. Next week... 
things and stuff and violence. More things will happen. That's right. And, and then Santa Clarita Diet will be Santa back. Santa Clarita Diet. And then so excited. Also, also, we've got the mist queued up for for whenever times are slow, and I'm sure Disney Channel will do something oh, dear terrible. God. I'm sure they will. Around Halloween. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. As always, we do appreciate it. Uh, wherever you're listening to us, whether it's podcast.com or iTunes or any of the other places that podcasts are available and you can come across feelings us. pick us up. That's right. Uh, please, if you could uh, like us, leave a comment. Let us know that you're listening. Um, rate us on the podcast services that allow ratings because that actually helps people find the podcast and helps grow our audience, which would be fantastic, which everybody always wants to do. Because it's now just the two of us. That's right. And the dog. Maisie. Maisie the zombie dog. And so that would be fantastic. If you could do that, that would be great. Um, we'll be back next week with more Zompocalypse Now. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. We'll see you guys next week. Apocalypse Now is produced by Timothy Harvey and Dustin Adair, all rights reserved.